it's always been about the people first and family. And Sandra understands that. And she understands that it's the people first. And that's the kind of culture we're going to build where she's looking forward to meeting with everybody in the organization one-on-one -on -one to get to know them and get their feedback and everything else and start building that family culture again. Time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Rout on Cofield and Company. Mark Davis. Mark Davis talking to Hugh Myers from Raider Nation Radio, 920 yesterday. Intro of a new president for the Raiders. I want to get into that. Uh, a bevy. I like that word. Of uh Former NFL players, NFL players coming on the show today. Stanford route starts us off as uh, we want to get some reaction to what's going on with the Raiders. Stanford, how you doing? Fellas, fellas, what's going on? Happy to be back on with you. Well, that's going on, man. First of all, uh, we're very perceptive when it comes to sound. Um, it sounds like you live in a castle. That That is a what, <laughs> people couldn't hear your doorbell during the break. Wow. That's uh, my doorbell is weak and meek. <laughs> no, no, fellas, I can assure you uh, that I do not live in a castle. <laughs> no, no moat? You got, got a moat you got outside? You got a moat out front? Sure. <laughs> no, 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 I don't have a moat either. I, I got a pool, but you know, okay. I don't have anything like a moat or anything like that. There you go. All right, how, how hot is it this weekend in the, in, uh, the Houston area? Oh, my goodness. I just got finished working out outside, and it's okay. uh, I believe it was 100 degrees uh, whenever I left the house about maybe 40 minutes ago. And mind you, it is 6 o'clock out here, uh, Central Standard Time, so it's 100 degrees at 6 o'clock. And mind you, we're still in early July. Is the pool like 88? It's going out the pool. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been in in a, in a while, so uh, hopefully it's cool because I might go ahead and get in there a little bit later because I know you guys are out there in Vegas, and I know it's hot out there. It's got that dry, deserty type of heat. <laughs> but I tell you this, man, this humidity out here in Texas or just the south, I definitely tell you, man, like it makes you want to hop in the pool just to cool off. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd fall over a lot. I'd be sweating so much. It's not. It's not good. It's not good. All right, let's talk about. Let's get a little serious for a second here. Let's talk about what happened with the Raiders yesterday. They kept it very quiet, but they name a new president of the organization, Sandra Douglas Morgan. For us, it's a, a crazy good hire because she's very much a Nevada and Southern Nevada local. But yes. for a former Raider, what does this mean as the reins are handed over to someone who like has a really deep uh, business and community background? Well, yeah, obviously, you know, she's got a deep background, I believe, in, in what, the Nevada Gaming Commission, uh, something like that, I believe. Am, am I correct? I, yep, might be, yep. I might be mistaken. Yeah. On the board of Allegiant and Fidelity and uh, Caesars, a 20-year attorney. I mean, her, her resume is sick. Exactly. You know, and so obviously, you know, when you look at it for the fact of being a female president of an organization within the NFL. That's already number one. That's great. And then I'll go ahead and take it a step further. First black woman in NFL history to assume that role. And that to me is what is going to be the staple. And when I think back to, you know, we just finished uh, passing a couple of days ago of Al Davis's birthday, the day that he was born. And I already we all know that Al Davis was all inclusive. He didn't believe in excluding anybody. He didn't care if you're white, black, pink, green. He did not care of any stretch. And when you look at what Mark, when you look at what Mark Davis is now able to do to go ahead and follow in those same footsteps, man, I, th I think it's great. And I think that you will slowly, slowly, obviously, that's an operative word, slowly see the same diversity permeate throughout the league. But like I said, slowly. But uh, definitely uh, love the Raiders being the first one to the punch. You know what's funny? 
Uh, we've had multiple people when talking about the situation, about the breakthrough, and then referencing the rest of the NFL uh, say slowly, because Cassidy Hubbard came on yesterday, a female reporter, NBA reporter with ESPN. She said the same thing, like, let's not get that excited. Like, we have a long way to go. We just had Rod Gilmore on who played at Stanford, ESPN announcer. He said the same thing. So, like, there's an awareness here that the Raiders are at the front of the line many times, but that doesn't mean the entire league changes in a year. Oh, no. Come on now. You still have way too many old school owners. You got too many old school owners that are of Caucasian descent that they still believe in the good old boys network where they're only going to hire their people, people that they're cool with, people that they grew up with or nepotism, things like that. And then then obviously there's still sexism uh, going on on the planet, especially in America. So we can't be ignorant to that. We can't fall blind to the fact that, yes, it is going to be a slow process because you still have a lot of people of the old guard that have that type of a mindset where they just simply cannot get past someone's color. They can't get past someone's ethnicity. They can't get past someone's gender or dare I say, even their sexuality to go ahead and hire them in a position of power. Yeah. We, we saw yesterday, like some of the first responses were, Oh yeah, they had to go hire a black woman. Like, do you know how unbelievably qualified this lady is I, to me? And I, I could be wrong about this. I'll, I'll get your thoughts. Like, I don't think we have progress until we have a very average mediocre black woman hired like it took because there's mediocre doofuses that are hired all the time this is an exceptional freaking woman right great point great point now like i said now listen i understand exactly what you're saying you may you may have worded that let's just say you could have worded that a little bit better but i definitely understand exactly what you're saying and yeah to the point of how why does it always have to be an exceptionally talented, an yeah. exceptionally decorated, accomplished minority or female. Why can't it just be some ho hum, run of the mill, uh, average, or should I say, uh, should I say, mediocre? You know, person of color or of you know the female descent or something like that. Why can't it be that the same way? Some mediocre white man. So yeah, trust me, I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. I definitely P- plenty of mediocre white men in power in all sorts of places. <laughs> trust me. Hey, uh, you said it, not me. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Look what, at is the show. it what does it matter? Yes, the show. <laughs> this is all we have is mediocre white men on the show. Uh, what does it mean to to players? Like the organization, I, I think got there's going to be great bridges to the community. I, I think everything about this hire is going to be really, really good for ingratiating the Raiders in the community, building those bridges, corporate relationships, community relationships. All those things are going to be great. What does that matter to the players? I think for, for a player. If you are somebody that is highly talented, you just hit free agency, you just finished, let's say, your rookie contract, or you just finished up, uh, you know, a contract that you've been on for a couple of years, and you're a highly touted free agent, you have your pick of the litter. Now, those guys, let's say you get somebody, let's say like maybe a Devontae Adams. I don't know Devontae Adams. I'm just mm-hmm. using him as just an example for somebody that had his pick of the litter of where he wanted to go or where he wanted to be traded to. Whenever you're in that situation where you can pick which team you want to go to because you know the dollar is going to be there no matter no matter who it is that's trying to go ahead and, uh, and, uh, and obtain your services, then you start to get to the more intricate. You start to get more fixated on the little things, the nooks and crannies of an organization. Are they diverse? Do they believe in equality? Do they believe in uh, uh, not excluding somebody based on their gender or their or their home, their homosexuality or their sexuality or something like that? Or just, you know, all the way down the board. That's when it starts to get to where, OK, you know what? I see what's going on over there with the Las Vegas Raiders. They just hired a black woman as a team president. Like, you know what? I like that. So I want to be a part of something like that. So whenever you have somebody who has their pick of the litter of where they can go, 
then you will probably see that probably play a big part in maybe them choosing the Raiders. But, you know, for a lot of players, you're simply going to where whoever's offering you the most money, you're going to let that be the driver in your decision uh, as far as your next endeavor, or should I say the next team that you go to. But it definitely, for the big top guys, the guys who want to affect change, the guys who want to be a part of change, you definitely will see some guys actually take a closer look at the Las Vegas Raiders, aside from the new regime coming in and a Derek Carr and a Devontae Adams and a Max Crosby and all those boys because they're primed for a big year on the field former Raiders Stanford route up on Cofield and company so uh let's no I mean let's stay on the same path here uh you know Amy Trask was a barrier breaker as well was with the organization for upwards of uh 25 plus years um do you have memories of her again this kind of goes back to do the players actually come in contact with CEOs and presidents of organizations Oh, definitely. Like Amy Trask is actually a good friend of mine. Good. And I and I got a chance to actually befriend her from my days out there in Oakland. And then obviously she left the franchise around the same time that Al passed. I want to say 2011, somewhere in that area yeah, when uh, when she left the, the fran- when she left the franchise. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that you asked this question because Amy Trask has actually played a pretty integral part with me actually getting into broadcast. Oh, cool. uh, and it's simply because I remember how I went to the NFL broadcasting boot camp up there in Mount Laurel, New Jersey in 2015, 16 and 17. And then I met a guy who actually is a producer uh, for CBS and he invited me to the set up there in New York. Uh, I believe it was uh, it, the, the other the other the other sports show uh, it's tops the the other no the other pregame show that's what it's called and you know amy trask she's a uh, she's a host on there and so i just went over there and i met up with her talked with her a little bit things like that and then you know she reached out to a few people for me put in a good word for me and then that's when things kind of started taking off a little bit for me so i definitely owe my second endeavor in my life nice. to her a great deal. Well, she's up for a contributor group, um, you know, nominees to go into the NFL Hall of Fame for 2023. Uh, older players who, you know, didn't make the cut the first time around, like Lester Hayes. Uh, Lester's mm-hmm. in that group. You're talking about a guy who's a five-time Pro Bowler, Defensive Player of the Year in 1980. I'm sure you had plenty of encounters with Lester Hayes. His, you know, his fingerprints, pun intended, with the stickum, are all over the Raiders' history uh, when it comes to defensive backs. Oh, no, definitely. No doubt about it. Like I said, I've had a few talks with him. He would come up and just, you know, talk to the DBs and basically just kind of give us a few pointers, maybe just more so like a kick in the pants, just build our confidence, especially through those dog years of like 2009, 2006, you know, things like that. But uh, like I said, uh, anytime that there is a a former Raider, whether it's Oakland Raider, Las Vegas Raider, Los Angeles Raider, uh, for, uh, for crying out loud, and they are anywhere in the vicinity of being inducted into the HOF, I think it's a great honor. It's just simply because in a lot of in a lot of the newer generation kids don't realize this, but the Raiders are one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. You know, you have the Packers, you got the Steelers, you got the Cowboys, you got the 49ers, but the Raiders are right up there as far as as far as team lore, as far as just that mystique, or should I say just the history, you know, everything from on the field to off the field where, you know, Al Davis is suing the league, claiming that he still owns the L.A. market and things like that. The Raiders are a very, very story franchise. So anytime somebody is about to be another inductee into the Hall of Fame, I'm all for it. 
Uh, big news of the week in the NFL. Baker Mayfield finally moves from the Browns to the Panthers. And we got some finally. People, yeah, I know. We got some people out there, Stanford, <laughs> like Dan Orlovsky, a former NFL quarterback, who says that uh, Panthers can make the playoffs. Now, you can actually get a good number. Uh, you get four and a half to one on your money. I don't believe the Panthers are a playoff team, even with Baker Mayfield. Do you? Well, I don't think that they're necessarily a playoff team either. I think that obviously with having Dante Jackson over there corner, Stephon Gilmore, he left to go to the Indianapolis Colts. But having a DJ Moore, hopefully having back a healthy Christian McCaffrey and things like that, you could maybe, if you squint your eyes just right, maybe <laughs> they might sneak in because you now have seven seeds rather than six. But nonetheless, uh, obviously you got the Rams, you got the Bucks. You got the Packers who are still going to be in the mix of things. You got the Philadelphia Eagles who are going to be much better. The Arizona Cardinals, they're going to be a playoff team again. And so it's just going to be really crowded. The New Orleans Saints, if they can get that quarterback situation right with James Winston staying healthy the whole year, they're still a viable threat. I just don't see the Carolina Panthers making the playoffs, even with the Baker Mayfield, because he's an upgrade, a slight upgrade over a Sam Darnold and maybe just actually because they can lean on the run game and maybe the defense, the front seven, things like that, have a little bit of Cleveland 2.0-esque type of a uh, game plan. But nonetheless, I still don't see them uh, getting in the playoffs. But for Dan Orlovsky, you know, quarterbacks stick with quarterbacks. They always support each other. I think it's more so that than him actually believing this Carolina Panthers team is primed and ready for the playoffs. They're just missing the final piece of quarterback, much like the Denver Broncos missing Russell Wilson is their final piece. Let's stir the pot a little bit. Uh, Adam Hill across the way wrote a story for the local paper here where he ranked uh, 30 NFL cities uh, and best travel destinations. So, Adam, your criterion on this is what? Uh, to go to a football game for the weekend. So, like, Friday night to Monday morning. All right. Uh, best places to go. So, proximity to downtown, doing things in one area helps. Uh, having, like, a perfect activity for a Saturday helps. Okay, All those where, play where did it. you have Stanford's hometown? <sighs> <laughs> 20, 25. 25? Okay. Now, uh, what? Okay. Adam, now, okay. Now, go ahead and please recite to me again your criteria for the best football towns. It was... Go ahead and start from the top. It's, I just want to make sure I heard like, everything correct. It's like a perfect weekend. So you fly in on Friday night. You have a little something to do on Friday night. Then Saturday, there's like a perfect activity to do on a Saturday. You know, one area maybe, stay around. So my, my problem with Houston is for, I know they're doing work. We talked to the mayor a few years ago, and he's like, we need people downtown. Love nobody it. lives downtown. Nobody hangs out downtown. There's nothing to do down there. The stadium in Houston is not anywhere close. to. You got to go out, travel to the stadium. It's not conducive to anything. And – there's what I what I've always said about Houston, everything that you could possibly want is there, but nothing that you absolutely need to see or do is there. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Let me digest all that. And I can I can see your point because I know it ain't 24 cities in this country that implore football teams that actually meet that criteria. It ain't 24 uh, cities more than Houston that, that, that meet that criteria. Stanford, he had, he had everything Indi he, he just had, said. He had Indianapolis top five. Indianapolis exactly. Great. And, see, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. So now <laughs> if you're talking about from a standpoint of the football camaraderie, now listen, I'm of the mindset, listen, guys, the best football towns for me are Green Bay, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, even Kansas City, you know, because those old towns where it's like everybody 
goes, leaves their house, goes to the stadium. The stadium is more so kind of like in a neighborhood, not over there on like some, some, some commercial land, like, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys out there in Arlington. It just has such a homey feel where it's almost kind of like Friday Night Lights or Varsity Blues in Texas. You have that type of a feel where just that atmosphere and that energy. Now, Adam, what you're talking about as far as like something to do on a Friday night, uh, Houston's the fourth largest city in the country, in case you haven't realized that. Oh, sure. There is plenty to do out here in Houston, Texas. I can guarantee you that. Now, as far as the stadium, if you're talking about the stadium in proximity to Conroe, or the north side of town, yeah, it's like 30, 40, maybe an hour, depending on traffic. But if you're living inside the loop, or if you're staying at a hotel inside the loop, Galleria area, the medical center, or should I say, you know, the uh, the Washington Heights area, something like that, you're no more than 15 minutes away from the stadium with traffic. What do you do? So, like, you're going to go out to the to NASA on Saturday. It's like an hour away. Like, the, the, what do you do on Saturday? First of all, NASA. First of all, NASA is in. I believe it's in Webster, and that is only literally thirty minutes from uh, downtown. And that's if you're driving slow. The, the airport sucks. It sucks to fly in there. It's so far away from where you want to go. Nothing's convenient. Wait, you see, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Adam. You're talking about Bush, which is way out there. Sure. Hobby is literally. Hobby's hobby right. is literally ten minutes from downtown. What a hobby. I always fight a bush. Like, maybe that's my fault. Maybe okay. that's my problem. Why, why? Why the hell you always fight a bush? That's a good point. Maybe I need to find <laughs> a hobby. And do it better. I'll do it better next that's awesome. time. That's awesome. But uh, no, but uh, but in all seriousness, fellas, uh, I can like I said, there's plenty to do in Houston, Texas. Obviously, the food is great. You know, down south, barbecue, southern southern hospitality, things like that. As far as the stadium, it's it's pretty centrally located. As far as and being inside the loop. Now, if you're living on the outskirts, if you're living out there in Conroe, if you're living all the way out there in Cyprus, you're living all the way out there on the on the east side, like in Crosby or Dayton or something like that, yes, it is a long trek to get to the stadium. But if you're coming in from out of town and you're staying in the Galleria area where most people stay at or downtown or the medical center, something like that, you are no more than 15 minutes from the stadium. Now, on game day, a lot of traffic. Everybody's trying to pile into NRG Stadium. It seats about 80,000, something like that. Yes, it's going to take a little bit longer, obviously. But if you're just talking about just like just generally, just general location, proximity, oh, yeah, if you are inside the loop, you're no more than 15 minutes uh, getting to NRG Stadium. Right, you'll, you'll agree Jacksonville and Cincinnati are the worst too, though, right? Uh, yes, I would probably go ahead and say yeah, that because yeah, there's yeah. nothing to do in those towns. I've been to those towns, but as far as Indianapolis being top five, now, like I said, I don't really know what your endeavor is, Adam. I don't know what you like to do on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know like where you like to eat, but I've been to Indianapolis and I got a good friend who used to coach in Indianapolis and he just left Indianapolis and he's so glad that he left Indianapolis because he did not like being there outside of work because there was nothing to do. Matter of fact, his wife, she did not even want to move up there because she said, and I quote, Indianapolis sucks. So as far as you put them in your top five. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not sure exactly how you're, you know, getting that delineation. I think that because, once again, like I said, I don't know what you like to do. Go to, so go to the combine with me next year. That may be the yeah. disconnect. Yeah, yeah, go, go, to the, go to the combine with me next year. I'll show you around. You It'll be a great combine. time. Jesus. Oh, guys, I've been to the combine before. Now, listen, it was 2005. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've been to I, – I, I was there back when it was what? I think it was uh, the RCA Dome, I believe is what it was called back then. You know, AstroTurf. Fun. 
Awful. Stanford, <laughs> go jump in the pool. Have a great weekend. Stay cool. <laughs> you guys be good, man. Be safe. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Stanford route. Former Oakland Raider. We'll start the pot a little more later in the hour with Mark McMillan, who's, you know, he was a Kansas City guy too, but mostly a Philly guy. We'll get his take because I didn't think you had Philly high enough at number 15. And, you know, you had Vegas number one. Yeah. Vegas gets me sometimes because you know I'm frugal. I mean, I will say when you come here, you are going to pay. Oh, yeah. And for some people, that Adam, that is a factor. Sure. I what mean, I, I, I did I, put Vegas one. I mean, I what? did I did a concert the other day. You have to pay because it's a cool place. People want to be here. Uh, if people don't want to uh, be here, then it'll be cheap. It was okay, but that's that is part of the mix when people come in. I mean, parking for a local eighteen dollars. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm, listen, I, and by the way, I paid eighteen. And as I pulled up, there was glass shattered all over the garage for like 50 spots. Like, can you put the money towards someone to come up and sweep? Then two drinks with a tip at the concert, $57. That is a factor. Sure. That, I just I throw everywhere. it out there because, no, it's, okay, it, that does happen at football stadiums. Sure. Yeah. So you do get hosed. Although Except you, Atlanta, although that's you, why I put you, them high. You did point out that Atlanta, so you, you factored it in. Sure. I'm trying to think, is the Al, I think in the pecking order, the place I was at, the, the drinks were slightly less than VGK games and a little more than the Al and Raiders games. Right, right, but right, but right it, is, middle. it is, a, I mean, I am cheap, so it is a gut punch every time. I'm like, oh, God, 50, 57 for a beer and a mixed drink. Oh, boy. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Frenzy time has moved uh, towards the halfway point of the show. Former Eagle, Mark McMillan, will be up. Uh, he's a guy who comes from Southern California, went to Alabama. So I know he's going to want in on what's going on with USC and UCLA. And he was also in the Northeast Corridor, as we like to call it, Philly, D.C. area, doing a bunch of charity, uh, building up his, uh, his food biz. So we'll break that down with him. And also Baker Mayfield. That's coming up in about 25. Uh, next week... We're going to be all over the NBA Summer League. Remember, we got 10 days to go, 70 plus games, all 30 teams. Tickets start at 40 bucks, unlvtickets.com, or just go up to the window and buy the tickets, or you can go through nbaevents.com. Crazy access when you're out there. I know you were out there, you're, you know, you, you see all these current players, former players, coaches, GMs. I mean, it is. America's basketball convention at the Thomas and Mac and Cox Pavilion. Q Myers is out there today with a live show until five o'clock. Uh, Cofield and company is out there most of the week. Next week, um, JVT and Adam Hill on Monday, Tuesday will be Adam and Willie Wednesday and Friday, Willie and JVT. And we've got a whole big set out there. So that'll be cool. So look for those guys doing Cofield and company all week. And uh, I'll be doing the press box uh, early in the week as uh, Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff are off. Give me a little crunching pads. <laughs> Latest update from the Bears. And I do believe this is just they're honoring a contract, but pretty strong message uh, on the idea of putting a dome on Soldier Field. Remember, they put $660 million into a renovation of Soldier Field in 2004. Now they want to build a dome on an existing stadium 
Uh, and this is all in reaction to the Bears negotiating with Arlington Heights, which is 25 miles northwest of downtown. This, like, I don't know all these areas super well. This has a feel to me of something similar to Atlanta, where Atlanta moved away from downtown and went to the burbs and the money. You mean baseball? And, oh, I didn't say the, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Braves, what the Braves did, because they went to what, Cobb County. It's awesome. And But not downtown. But it does shut out a lot of fans. Of and just like Arlington Heights is northwest of Chicago, and I don't know Chicago that well. I know I was in Northbrook once, and you know it's a, there's more money areas up there, but they're trying to work on a stadium in the Burbs. So again, I don't I don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, I would assume if you go and redo your travel list, the trip to Chicago in 2030, if it's in Arlington Heights, that's going to be on the bottom of your list, isn't it? Well, clearly, because you I didn't know, rank New York very well. I know that you read every single word of that, and uh, I actually included it in the piece. I said there because Chicago's number five right now, mm-hmm. and I said if they move to the suburbs, it will drop significantly on there this you go. list. Uh, yeah, that, that might be the thing that scares them into uh, working this out. And the, and the battle right now, really, the, the city wants to put the, the dome on yeah, the stadium yeah. because they said, hey, if we're going to put money into refurbishing this, we want a Super Bowl. Right. And you have to have a dome to do that if you're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we want concerts and things like that. Yeah, they're, more not, revenue they're, they're not getting that use out of coming it. Coming in. Yeah. Right. So like, they want to use it for other things if they're going to put money into it, which makes sense. <laughs> and the Bears don't. And the Bears, the reason they want this is the reason many other teams do. Look what Green Bay did around their stadium. They have there's land, but there's not much to do. They but they have all these bars and restaurants and hotels. It's like a Packer district. So they did like a Wrigleyville, where they get all that right. Huh. And there's really not room for that in in Soldier, at Soldier Field. So the Bears said, "Hey, we can let's go make our own district <laughs> and have every everything owned by us right. and make all this money." And that's kind of the trend that that some of these teams are taking, uh, where you can build not only a stadium but a bunch of stuff around it that you own and control. And that's what they're trying to do. I saw a commenter say, if the Bears decide to relocate, I hope Chicago will step in and refuse to let them take the Chicago part of their name with them. I actually, I think this is brilliant uh, because if the city of Chicago loses the Bears to the Burbs, why couldn't Chicago then, listen, I, I don't think they have the public money. They're get, a more important thing. Get an what expansion if, team? What, 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 no, 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 no. What if they... Then went the route of what the Raiders were able to finagle here. And, you know, hey, okay, $2 billion, new stadium, Soldier Field is done. And you know what? We want the Bengals because Cincinnati sucks. The Browns suck. Not, not, the, not, not the team, the Browns. The, the ownership, not that great. Their stadium blows. Steal the Bengals. Armageddon in the NFL. What are you going to do then, Raj? Jaguars. Or that. But that that and that would also screw. You think Shad Khan wouldn't take a bunch of money to go to Chicago, right? New stadium? Why not? That would also screw the NFL because I still believe, and I think you do, that the Jags are could be earmarked for London. They could, but Shad Khan also wants to do the same thing I just mentioned with Green Bay, and that Chicago wants to do, and build an entire district that he owns around the stadium and get all the revenue from that. We talked to uh, Frank Garcia. Was that yesterday, day before? Former uh, Panther player David Tepper is trying to do the same thing yeah. in Charlotte. And they're pretty close to their well, downtown. Man, that's a mess, too, because they, they had that deal to build a practice in facility. South, in South and Carolina. they just pulled out of it and then declared bankruptcy through their side company that was, that was building it. And now they're getting sued. That's a whole mess of an uh, NFL ownership. So much fun. 
Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Oh, my God. So many stories to get to, Adam Hill. So many stories. This one's a couple of days old. Have you really been following us for a while now? What exactly happened with the... It started last week, right? The Radio Shack Twitter account. I didn't even know the Shack existed. Yeah, it's kind of convoluted because they really don't. Okay. Have they farmed uh, out the Twitter account? Yeah, there's a... And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it because they turned it over to a marketing guy in New York. He's a young dude. I actually read a, a long profile about him. And he said, hey, you need to get noticed. Like If, you're, if you want to, you know make a big splash and and do something like you have to get noticed and it can't be a corporate crazy like I'm trying to describe exactly what that would be but you can't be corporate about it you have to be all in and they just said go ahead and do what you're going to do and there's a team that's working on this but he has to do final approval for all tweets and I mean they are getting like raunchy I mean pretty like overtly sexual overtly drug referencing like all kinds of stuff that they're doing, and it's fantastic. It's great, but I think a lot of people are just taking it back. Like, what even is Radio Shack? I know they have they have some crypto exchange stuff going on with them. Yeah, uh, they've got I think some plans for uh, definitely expanding their online presence in terms of you know making some sales and, and doing things that way. But yeah, they're bankrupt. You can't go to a Radio Shack store, but they are all in on this, and I think it's great. They are. I think they've tripled their their following on Twitter it's so far. Three hundred eighty-two thousand followers. It's going to go even higher because they're. I mean, it's funny, it's good, but they. I think there's a tendency to hey, let's make a splash, but it's there's still like a, a corporate kind of safeguard on no. it. Not no. with this. No. Not with this at all. And that's how you have to do it. I mean, people get it if you're doing a, you know, a corporate, uh, you know, corporate approved kind of safe but wild. This isn't that. This is just out there wild. It's basically like a twelve-year-old took over, and they said, "Say whatever you want to people. Be a troll. Be gross. Uh, be sexual. Be uh, perverse. Anything you want to do." And that's what they're doing. It's awesome. A uh, tweet from a couple of days ago. They actually Radio Shack tweeted at Wingstop, said, "Craving you inside me." <laughs> what? Wait. What? Just Good. Radio Shack? Oh, Wings. It's not bad. Oh. <laughs> you think a certain way, Adam Hill. Sure. I, don't know, I saw them calling someone a simp. This is, it does get a little <laughs> it's, raunchy. It's great. It's fantastic. I mean, it'll keep the brand alive. And then I, I actually, I kind of fell for it. I'll admit it. Uh, they, it was like three thirty in the morning the other day, and they they went live. I said, I'm in. What what are they gonna do? And they just started showing Radio Shack commercials through the years. This is great. I watched all of them. <laughs> I was in. I didn't care. I loved it. But it, it was very funny. I enjoyed it, like the the Radio Shack commercials from the seventies. Could this great. be something sinister? We're gonna find out a week from now. It's like the Chinese or the Russians stealing all your information, like they did with that old man face thing, or basically what TikTok is. Uh, sure, but it, I mean, you know what? At this point, it's bringing enough entertainment. That's fine. I'm care. into. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. <laughs> Let the games begin. 
I think Notre Dame now is, you know, sort of the last school standing. When you look at UCLA and USC, what they've done, I think Notre Dame's in a position to really pick and choose where they want to go with Big Ten, SEC. Keep in mind, they played six games in the ACC, so they were sort of part of a conference over the last few years. So I think that uh, Notre Dame will probably wind up joining the conference. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 The great Joe Theismann on ESPN National Morning Show today. Notre Dame guy. New Jersey guy as well. Talking about what the Irish could be doing. I wonder what Joe Montana thinks. Eh, you know, I didn't mean that. Who cares? Uh, Adam Hill. Steve Cofield. Ari. Kind of hungry right now. Finley Toyota Studios. I saw, saw a plate of like barbecue fries. Hey, it's time to talk some food and you football. S- you see that? Mark McMillan, Grilling McMillan is here. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I just wanted to give you guys a little teaser of the uh, brisket cheese barbecue fries that I just made real quick. Adam is just shaking his head. They look, they look he delicious. He's so frustrated that <laughs> he's here in studio. Look delicious. <laughs> I appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate it, man. How's it going? So what are you, are you buying? We're good. Are, are you just buying the brisket at the store? Or like, Is this like Mark's making everything for this? Well, I, I went to uh, it's a barbecue place here in Arizona called Call, Caldwell's Barbecue, which is really good. Um, I was really surprised. The brisket came out amazing, so I was like, "Let me nice. save a little piece." And then I said, "Let me. What can I do with this brisket for leftovers?" Come on, I got the barbecue sauce, I got the cheese, I got my own spices. Cut up my hand cut, string cut potato French fries, not thick cut, baby. String cut French fries like McDonald's. Do. <laughs> All right, <laughs> rolling along in the summer. Grilling McMillan, it doesn't stop. Uh, I want to get to what you've been doing from a, uh, a food standpoint, but, and we'll get to the football in a couple of minutes. First of all, where, where have you been? I know you're back in Arizona now, but you were in the Northeast for a while doing charities, golf tournaments, uh, you know, doing a lot of visits. What, what's happening? I've been all over the place, man. I just launched my new uh, business, so I have my LLC as, as well uh, under my foundation uh, for the Lyft program. We did a football camp for kids, uh, you know, every, every, you know, all through the year, um, people who buy my sauce, I make a donation back to the lift program so I can host a football camp. So this year I did it in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, home of the Amish. Man, I had some Amish coaches out there. Well, they wasn't Amish. I think they got, I think they got booted out. So I don't think they were still <laughs> part of the Amish program, but man, I saw horses and buggies uh, just pulling up to the gas station. They wasn't getting gas. They wouldn't get milk. I was like, "Why are they here? They don't shop in the. In, they don't shop at Wawa. Why are they at Wawa? You know." So uh, it was it was pretty cool, man. And got a chance to see uh, Charles Haley, Nate Newton, uh, of course Eric Williams uh, played in their golf tournament. Uh, you know William Thomas, uh, Byron Evans, Seth Joyner. We all played in a, in a tournament together. So it, it was a great trip, man. I had a blast uh, helping raise money for a lot of charities. And there's a brewery in New Jersey. That's going to come out with a Grilla McMillan spice beer for the November and December cold season in Philadelphia. Ooh. Wait a second. What, what is spiced beer? What kind of flavors what, are we talking about here? They're going, to use my, they're going to infuse the beer with my, one of my spices. Wow. Okay. What's the spice? Are we talking hot? Are we, what, what is it? Um, well, it's going to be probably cooking with Claire, one of my Grilla McMillan spices. You know, mm-hmm. I have Suit and Boudin cooking with Claire. Uh, you know, I have uh, Boom 3.0, and I'm just coming out with my, my Gloria, 
which is a coffee steak rub uh, that I'm coming out with as well, that I partnered up with a company called Coach Coffee here that allowed me to use their coffee. So I got a lot of things in the bag, man. Nice. I got my new spices testing Monday. Uh, so I got new spices hitting the line, new labels. Everything is brand new, man. So I'm excited, man. I, I, I'm waiting to come in the studio and share some of my Grillin' McMillan brisket, fries, wings, tri-tip with my guys, man. Oh, tri-tip is so good. Bring the beer, too. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you notice I got real fixated on the beer. Uh, Mark McMillan is with us, former Eagle, former Chief, Saints, uh, at the time, the, the Redskins, the Niners. So, uh, first of all, let's get into the big news here in town, and it's really big news. The Raiders have finally decided on a new president. Turns out that it's uh, an African-American woman, Sandra Douglas Morgan. Uh, that is the first in the history of the National Football League. So how are you feeling right now about what the Raiders are doing as they try to clean things up? And once again, they're breaking barriers. You know what? Um, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been a rough slate for the uh, front office, uh, the president, uh, the, the head coaches for the Raiders. But this year, man, uh, I've been getting a lot of love from the Raider fans on social media, and I, I appreciate it. I don't think they know that I played for the Chiefs, but I still appreciate <laughs> the love. But what they're able to do – uh, especially bringing in Sandra Douglas Morgan, who her husband also played, uh, you know, Don played in the, in the league for a while as well. Um, you know, that's, like you said, they're breaking down barriers, you know, from Art Shell to Tom Flores, uh, you know, to, you know, to now to Mrs. Douglas, a female at that, and an African-American female. So one thing you can say about the Raiders as far as hiring minorities or just going against the grain of the National Football League, they don't care. And, you know, if you're qualified and you can get the job done, uh, you know, kudos to the front office, man, what they're doing, especially in the offseason. Uh, I know my Kansas City fans are probably like, man, this dude is on the Raiders' jocks. But <laughs> I'm just calling it like it is. They have made some of the best moves in the offseason from top to bottom. You look at Kansas City, they lose in the Cheetah. Uh, you know, Denver, they add, you know, they add Russell Wilson. But what the Raiders are able to add, you know, with, you know, Jack Chandler, on the uh, defensive side of the ball, and, of course, one of the best receivers in the game with Adams, man, they, if they don't do it this year, man, it, it, it's definitely going to jail for a couple of years to come. Well, the Raiders are making big moves. The Pac-12 is making some interesting moves. Is, you, it, the Pac is it still going to be the Pac-12 or is it going to be the Pac-10? What is it going to be? I don't know. What, what, what are your <laughs> thoughts? We, we're just kind of asking everybody because everybody has a different take on this because it's so crazy. It changes every 10 minutes. USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten is fascinating. Yeah. And you figure you've got, you got two of the most historical programs that, you know, you think of USC, you think of UCLA, you think California palm trees. Now, all of a sudden, the whole recruiting uh, dynamic changes. All these kids from California that's leaving to, you know, the Ohio State, the Penn State, you know, now it kind of gives them a little bit of, uh, I think, of an edge to be like, why would you need to go to Ohio and freeze in, you know, <laughs> November, December? You can stay home in California and still be able to collect. And if you're a great player, you're still going to get the, the most money. And, you know, you're going to get a bigger bang for your buck being in Hollywood. Uh, you look at some of the transfers, the guy out of Oklahoma, uh, you know, the quarterback, man, he's cashing in already. Uh, he ain't even took one snap, but, you know, his bank account doesn't reflect that. Uh, so it, it's going to be a great dynamic. But one thing I say about the Big Ten fan base, they're going to travel. So, you know, the Rose Bowl was probably empty a little bit for UCLA games, but you bring in Ohio State and Penn State and, and Wisconsin, those fans are going to travel uh, to the West Coast. Yeah, and your your SEC is 
expanding even more. We've seen it over the last couple of years. They keep adding, and it yep. looks like they're going to continue to grow. I mean, at some point, how big is too big for the SEC? It looks like they're going to give you more schools in there. Yeah, it, it, you figure you got Texas coming, you got Oklahoma coming, um, you know, whoever. And I will say the big fish out there is Notre Dame right now. They're like, well, you know, we're still independent a little bit. You know, we were partially in the ACC, but, you know, they still hold the, they still hold the golden key. And, you know, it's, it's like whoever Notre Dame gets, you know, that's going to be a big game changer because uh, Notre Dame is already on TV every week anyway. So it's like, do they really need another uh, a Power Five or a Power Conference? So, you know, the SEC is going to be, man, it is going to be a gauntlet. You know, you had Texas and you had Oklahoma. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough, man. And some of the little schools are, are missing out, man. And it, it sucks for, for the, uh, the mid-majors and, uh, you know, the Mountain West schools. You know, it seems like they don't get – <laughs> they don't get the luxury of moving up and, and getting the big payday. Mark McMillan is with us here on Cofield and Company. Let's close on this. Uh, Adam wrote a story the other day. He ranked uh, best cities to travel to for the NFL. He ranked all 30 cities. He had Vegas number one, of course. He had Philly only at number 15. What do you think of that? Um, he must have went in there with a Cowboy or a Giants jersey or something. <laughs> I, I can't see it. Come on. We're ranked number 15. That has to be because of the bad rep that we get in Philadelphia about the fan base. But you cannot beat a cheesesteak. You cannot beat Wawa. You, you, you cannot beat those kind of – the home diner, the scrapple, you know, the fries, the pizza, the grease. 15? Come on, Come on, dude. Adam. They got the Liberty Bell. I mean, it's like one of the centers of American – History, what, why'd you have it only 15th? First of all, I thought 15 was generous. Now, Mark did make a good generous. point. Generous. No, you, you, you mentioned a lot of the great food. I did talk a lot about Reading Terminal Market, which is an awesome experience. Oh, with, my gosh. You can, you can go there every day of the week and try something different. I know. And the Amish, breakfast, the Amish breakfast place in there, I'm telling you, you can eat and Steve can eat off of one plate for like $12. Everything's fresh. Come right off the Amish farm, and you will be full. Yeah. I, I gave it all the credit. Now, I did not mention Wawa, which I should have. One of my favorite places in the world. I should redo it and move it up just because of Wawa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> New rankings. Come on, man. You've got to have Wawa, man. you got oh, to have Wawa. So hey, I got a nice little uh, – I got a tea that's coming out that's dropping here in Arizona on Monday. It's called the Mighty Mouse. Uh, uh, it's going to be made up by Energize. It's a, a tea spot here in Gilbert, Arizona. I got a Mighty Mouse tea, man. When you guys taste this – I'm going to have to freeze it and send you guys one minute. It's, it's so refreshing. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to be the uh, endorsement person on the beer, and Adam's like a gigantic tea guy. So yeah, we got to sure. work out a deal here. We're famous. Hey, let's, we can help sell the stuff. Let's, let's get it. I'll, I'll make the food. You get the beer. Adam gets the tea. <laughs> Perfect. Man, I got the grill. Let's do it, man. Come on. Raider Nation, like I said, thank you guys for all the love today. I know during the season when I'm back on the show or Raider Nation, when I'm talking about the Chiefs, they're probably all going to follow me and start cursing me out again. <laughs> nice. When are you back in town? I will be back in town in, in two weeks. Okay. Uh, looking forward to coming back and, and being with my guys, man. You know, I miss my guys, man. I miss you guys, man. We miss you, too. We'll get you, uh, we'll get you on the live show with Silver 7s, and we'll get you in studio, okay? Oh, let's get it, man. Let's make it happen. Appreciate you, Adam. Come on, man. Get Philly up in the polls, man. <laughs> Wawa, was set. Wawa dropped the mic. See you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, man. The Knicks. That's the place in the Reading Market. Oh, place is good. With the, the pork sandwich. And I think they use the stinky provolone, as, uh, as Willie Ramirez would reference. I think yeah. it's on there. That place is awesome. It's like a flea market for food. It's great. I've never been there. 
That's awesome. <laughs> next next trip to Philly, I got to go. 